Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And we both crave and fear self-examination. It's true. The the craving, the craving is real. (laughs) The craving is always so, so real. I wish I could explain to people how much I really enjoy feedback, Mm. but I'm also deathly afraid of it. Yeah, I mean, I I want it. It doesn't mean I'm going to handle it well, <laughs> but, but I want it. You just give it to me and I'll decide how I'll respond to it, okay? Exactly. <laughs> Do you find because you enjoy feedback that when you are teaching that you tend to give more feedback than the average person mm. probably wants? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think a lot of teaching involves a lot of feedback. So I don't think I give too much. But I, I think I perhaps don't give praise as easily as other people. Mm. And you know, since I'm a woman, it makes me seem like a bitch. So (laughs) and not a strong, silent leader type. No, no. (laughs) Well, mm. well, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) maybe you should just work on that you know i know i'm thankful that women can even teach in the first place it's true i should just be more more comforting more more supportive (laughs) yeah i think one of the things that i do struggle with perhaps is that i think i am very nurturing but kind of in that mcgonagall way (laughs) Like, I'm a little bit more McGonagall in my nurturing. Like, I'm there and I'm ride or die, but I'm also not going to just, like, dole out praise and baby mm. people. You don't give word candy. Yeah, I think it's it's hard for some people. And I think I'm also not, like, the funny, cool teacher. I don't know. I struggle with it a little bit. I, it's not that I want my students to like me. I'm not like craving that, but I I think I do crave authentic relationships with my students, and I'm I'm not willing to be like someone I'm not in order to get that. Mm. And and I just naturally have like a harder shell, and it takes a little bit longer. I think the moral of the story is we need to pay teachers more. <laughs> That is always the moral of the story. story. (laughs) I would make a terrible teacher because I think I'm very like, I'm a very big cheerleader. I'm like, you've got this. So when I do give people criticism, no one thinks I'm giving criticism because I have Mm. a hard time with tone. (laughs) (laughs) I too have a hard time with tone, but perhaps in the other direction. We have the same problem, different direction. I'm like, I read your paper. It gave me several headaches. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just, it was a dumpster fire of the English language. Isn't that crazy? And I think that would really, would really struggle with that. Where I'm like, you did a great job with that paper. <laughs> like No one knows how to take that comment. We just need to become like this two-headed monster super teacher. It'd be amazing. And in case anyone's wondering why we have crept into self-examination and praise, We're actually going to turn on ourselves and give ourselves a little examination today because we're going to go back to the beginning today. We are. Yes. Today, we are revisiting, re-examining this what are you question that Mm -hmm. we addressed in our very first 
non-episode episode, episode zero <laughs> of this show. Yeah, this is for all of you who start a podcast, but then go, don't go all the way back to the beginning because you're like, oh, it probably wasn't good then. I'm one of those. <laughs> it, that's crazy to me. I just can't even fathom. <laughs> I do. But here's the thing. I do eventually go back. I really do. I have had two where I'm like, I'm not going to go back. And I eventually like learn to love and get the vibe of the people and to go back and be able to like tolerate going back, you know, when you're, they're still trying to figure out the vibe and their tone and their pace. But initially, if I'm looking for a new podcast, I guiltily do not start with episode one. Mm. I'm like a three shot person and I might not make it through all three of these episodes, but I try to at least start each of them. Start with the the most recent, mm-hmm. the very first, yes, girl. and then like the one that like has the best title <laughs> that like, comes out to me as I'm like scrolling back to hit the very first. <laughs> so you've got three opportunities to hook you in. Yeah. And I'll I'll turn off the episode before I make make it through one of those three and then I'll go to the other one. And if I can't make it through all three of those, then I'm unsubscribing. Mm. Life is too short. I try it's it's almost like this is why it's I shouldn't ever be allowed to date ever again. I'm like, no, it's gonna get good. I'm just I'm waiting it out. I think it's going to turn out to be okay. And it doesn't. And next thing I know, like I keep getting like whole blah, blah, blah podcast as a new episode. I'm like, dang it. I need to unsubscribe to that. So, Mm. so they know my disappointment, but I just recently found out that Ken Jennings has a podcast. Really? Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet, but I just found out. I'm starting to feel that podcasting. (laughs) I think think people, (laughs) You know exactly where I'm going with this. Welcome to this anti-podcast podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, you need to respect those who come from and what it's really for. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm already annoying myself. It's a forum that I'm so proud of and I'm so excited that people are getting hip to the game. But that I'm also like, maybe some people should get a license. Um <laughs> I don't know if we would even qualify to get one, but I know (laughs) there we would not. We would definitely not. (laughs) It would definitely be at least suspended. But we um, we're we're going back regardless. And we both re-listen to our episode zero and we lived through it. No, it's we were both commented how proud we were of how well it still stands up. And we kind of wanted just a touch base of us here in the winter of 2020 going back to the fall of 2018 and kind of re-look at it through the lens of just our own experiences we've had guests on the show we've gone through several really challenging topics we've got some amazing feedback and just kind of reevaluating on on how we feel and expand on some of the topics that came up during that conversation yeah and i mean this seems like as good a time as any but we're going to like squeak squeak it in right before the end of January. So, you know, new year, new outlook, <laughs> new decade. What the fuck ever. Same unicorn. <laughs> Same <laughs> unicorns. And we know that our that first episode has had almost nearly 500 listens. So people have heard it. Yeah. And I encourage you to hopefully not turn off this episode because it'll be, it's revisiting. So it'll be some of the same, but a different perspective of it too. 
I think it would. So let, let, let's let's crack into this. So the question that we went over is is what what are you? And what mm. we what we mean by that is very much as people who are mixed mixed race people. <laughs> when we come in contact with people, people will blatantly ask the question, "What are you?" Yeah, sometimes it's right away. Sometimes it's like slowly over the course of <laughs> sometimes years it takes years yes. for the person to ask the question but it's almost inevitable mm-hmm. that everyone is going to ask me this question I think you get the whole like people kind of breaming to ask and I think people get with me it's the assumption and mm. so when I correct them they're like wait but then what are you then mm. I mean people make assumptions about me too mm-hmm. yeah so so, Damika, what are you? <laughs> In the first episode, I did talk very literally about how my mom is Irish and German and my dad is Black and how difficult that was because I don't know where. <laughs> I don't, you know, my dad's from South Carolina and we have a lot of, uh, we have a long tie Uh, deep southern roots which you can automatically make all the assumptions considering black people are not native to america um but i think since doing the show i I talked about how this was not my favorite question and now i've come to the point to where i think it was because i didn't know how to answer it in a way that made me feel comfortable i think by doing the show i think i'm like i am a woman who is all white and all black And I think I've told somebody that where I'm like, I've been going around feeling half and half and not really embracing that. It's a very weird answer, but I think like I've gone from being like the very technical background to kind of this very overly complicated flowery answer. And I think it's, I think the show has made it better and worse that question. So, (laughs) Mm. but I'm a mixed girl and that, and now I've also married to a white guy and now I have a very mixed child and I can't wait for her to get bombarded and for her to have to do the math of a quarter this and one eighth that. And but I I don't know. It's getting it's getting fun now. <laughs> I will say about your daughter mm. um, that she to me was like talking about the show. She doesn't listen to the show, but she knows the show exists. <laughs> <Yes>, no. <laughs> and she was like I'm a biracial unicorn too. And I was like, yeah, girl, you are. And she's like, because I am mixed and I'm a brown girl. And it was just like the sweetest, cutest thing to come out of a five-year-old's mouth. She will say it at the playground too. And she just gets just, because I think, you know, she goes to a British school. And so I think when people call her American, she hears American and she associates American with being white. We're working on Mm. it. Um, but she will quickly correct people and been like, no, I'm a brown girl. I'm a mixed girl. <laughs> and she will quickly yeah. and be very, 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 very proud of that. And when I come pick her up and she goes, see, like mixed girl. <laughs> yeah. it's And I mean, it's a different plight for, for fair skinned, you know, light haired, like perhaps white passing people. It's a yeah. different, different experience uh, for sure. Because mm-hmm. she and my daughter could really pass for a white girl. Yeah. I mean, she has light hair, you know, and I think 
finding that pride and finding that ability to say, no, this is what I am without fear is really great because I think there's a, a different fear that comes comes from there, right? Like of a, like you want to recognize your privilege and you don't want to like lessen the plight of someone else, but like saying who you are, mm-hmm. that isn't, I, I don't think it's, it's hurting anybody else by saying what you are. I agree. And I do like saying like you do, I think with mixed for me, I'm acknowledging like I, I do have to recognize because of my lighter skin that I have had some privileges, but also realize I don't have to live in the apology of that. I've been yes. like, I recognize I can open doors and have greater opportunity, but it does not lessen my, my journey and my experience. And uh, I have still a lot to give and to contribute to my community and also to enjoy and to embrace in my Mm. community without fear you had posted something to our page about like the one drop rule when it talks about like bloodline and I felt a lot of people really respond to that of not saying you have to be half of anything because of your genetic makeup basically and the blood within you and I think so much of like so what are you people want to hear about this blood amount within you and I think so much of the show has just made me really embrace the whole, I am an all black woman who's also an all white woman. I get treated like a black, an all black woman. But for me, how I live my life and my culture and what I do and what I embrace is both wrinkled in with a little burke, a little New Mexican, because <laughs> I can't, I can't not be that. But yeah, right. I don't know, Danny, um, what, what are you? How do you feel well, about that question? Is it still your favorite? Uh, it's, I don't know. I'm still, I still struggle with it. I think my problem with the question has always been, I don't have a good quick answer, a concise answer that I'm comfortable with. All my quick answers are kind of a little bit throwing shade. <laughs> so this mm. other like, you know, it's either I'm just going to be kind of snarky about it or if I want to have a full answer, it takes a little bit of time, a little bit of space for that to happen. And that has not changed for me. So my my quick answer is always like, oh, I'm New Mexican. And I talked about that before. And that's that's complicated also. But I think something I have become more and more aware of is there are more and more people who are kind of identifying as Nuevo Mexicano, like those of us who have long, complicated Chicano ancestry specific Ooh. to the state of New Mexico. Uh, and that's that's not unusual. And I have that. And I know a lot of people who do. But I have the the added complication of only that being on my mother's side. And I find myself too, as you were saying, struggling with not saying I'm only half that because that's not that's not true. I am totally that, but mm. I'm totally other things as well. So so my mom's family, long, weird history of colonialism within New Mexico, what is now New Mexico, Spanish, Native American, all sorts of things mixed up, right? We're we're brown. So it's clearly not just Spanish, but that is not what, you know, a lot of people in my family would want to claim. The older people in my family would want to claim. But also they don't identify as white, so I don't know what they identify as. On my father's side, my father is also mixed race, Native American, specifically Choctaw, and white. 
Scottish. But I find when people ask this question, people assume I'm Asian. Uh The fact that I speak Japanese and that I've studied lots of Asian things makes it even more confusing and complicated, I think. But people ask this question and then I respond, New Mexican, if I'm not going into like the genetic history. And then they're like, oh, but where are your parents from? I'm like, my mom's from New Mexico. Yeah. My dad's from California. I don't know. And they're like, oh, but where are their parents from? And I'm like, mm-hmm. like, what do you want? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my mom's parents are from New Mexico and back and back and back. You know, my dad's parents are both from Oklahoma. Like, I don't know. <laughs> There's And their parents are from Oklahoma. Like, I don't know. It's people... I wish people would just ask what they mean rather than this broad, what are you question? And I think that's my problem Mm. with the question. Would you prefer if someone just came up to have been like, are you Filipino? Are you Korean? Are you Japanese? Because that's what people always Yes, I think I would. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's what I would prefer. And I found like people make the assumptions and then don't ask me and then are like, oh, but I thought you were Asian. And I'm like, I know. Everyone does. You don't have to say that. (laughs) That's fine. I like that. I wonder how I would respond. I guess only one person has ever asked me if I was mixed, but it was not said in a great tone. It was, Mm. no, it was declared, actually. It was, you're mixed, aren't you? (laughs) Uh, And you could tell. You could tell what that means. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gotten that. And that's that's not great. But I wonder how it would be if someone asked me, are you mixed or is that? Yeah, I I wonder. Hmm. Right. I don't know. When I lived in in Hawaii, everyone assumed I was mixed and it wasn't an issue because so many people are mixed in Hawaii. It's like way more common than not being mixed. But most people are mixed with with some sort of Asian heritage. So everyone would assume that I was also Hapa and mixed part Asian. Like I got a lot, a lot of times people would assume that I was Japanese and Filipina, which oh. I thought was kind of interesting because can't, can't escape that Spanish crown <laughs> where I go. It's in there deep. <laughs> We always ask this of all of our guests on our show, Mm -hmm. also the what are you question, and it's a good anchoring rooting point. And I think for me, I don't know if you feel this way too, I feel kindredness with all mixed people. Like I don't need a mixed person to have the same like breakdown Mm. (laughs) as me, like the same background. But I feel like we have a shared experience in a certain way Uh uh, that we don't share with other people. So I like automatically, like I feel like in any situation, I spot the people of color (laughs) around me first. And then I also spot the people who I think might be mixed race and like naturally gravitate towards them. It's not a conscious thing, but it's like, a oh, these are these are my people, Um, which is really interesting because it doesn't necessarily have to be the same background as me and that's and that's something that I think I'm I'm like putting words to and recognizing as a result of doing this show Mm. and you're right I loved asking this of our guest um mostly because you're right you do there was something so cool about having that moment where they're like oh yeah this question 
And it's like, yeah, right. Even if they didn't have the same feeling towards it as we did, they all knew what it was like to be asked that question Mm. and the implication behind it. But one of my favorite moments is when we actually had both of our best friends on the show who are not mixed and ask them the question. And that was a really different experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, "Uh, no one's asked me that before. (laughs) Like, that's weird. Well, exactly. Because I think for for both of us, you know, we have one friend who is unmistakably a a black male and another who is an unmistakably white male. And for them to get asked the question was just even refreshing to kind of do that for them. And I think that hopefully gave listeners an idea for those who aren't mixed of what it kind of might feel like or sound like and for them to kind of evaluate themselves what would my life be like if I if that question came up quite a lot <laughs> in, yeah. my, in my existence I also really enjoyed we had a, a guest on the show Helen who yeah her response was very different than either of ours uh, just the fact that she appreciates that question mm-hmm. and I loved her description of that because she's like people want to know you know like people are coming from a good place asking that question and I thought that that was like such a beautiful way to turn that question on its head from a way I had like a way I had never considered exactly. So. Oh, I enjoyed it so much. I I look forward to having more guests and asking that question. But I think there's a million ways to respond to that question. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure every person is going to surprise us, even if we feel like a kindredness with them and with their responses. Well, it's just great to have that space where we can share that that background if it's not an easy answer. Yes. I don't know. I think I'm still I'm still working on refining my my elevator pitch of <laughs> who I am, Girl of, of my answer to this, because I do feel like a lot of the times when I'm asked, I don't really have the time or the space to go into great detail. But yeah, working on it. Mm, work away and have that space. And I think we need to allow ourselves to, to have that space, because even if people who aren't mixed, it it does take up a lot of your time <laughs> and you know mm. it's I think for for us and, and and how you do I think especially if you're dealing with social justice issues it's just something you need to have prepared in the hopper like you said like an elevator pitch you need to kind of just get over that here's my license and and here's my reasoning and here's almost uh, your your credentials of why I want to speak on this and how I can speak on this and that's what I've always felt like when I get asked a question sometimes, like, what are your credentials to speak on and to be concerned mm. and have these interests in these particular topics? Like, how far can you right. go? Does that make sense? Yes. How Black are you to speak on Black things? <laughs> right. And I think that that's something that perhaps to a certain extent, not only mixed race people, but like people of color or even white people who work in social justice, right? It's like this idea of you have to justify yourself and why you want to do this work. Mm -hmm. So it's, it takes a lot of, like we were saying, Mm self-examination, which we crave and fear in order to get to that point where where you feel comfortable enough in your skin to not ask for that permission to to be there, Mm. but, but also to be able to explain to people why you're there. Exactly. Oh, girl, there's, there's a topic that we touched on. 
And look, listening back on it, I kind of wanted us to expand just a little bit because I didn't want to kind of spend too, too much time reminiscing. But we talked about being mixed race versus mixed background that I think both mm. of us have this. And you kind of already talked about with being um, Nueva Mexica, uh, Mexicana of, yes, this might not be like blood type, but you're talking about what has influenced you. And that kind of mix into a lot of language that we've used in the show over the time of race versus culture and ethnicity. Like, can you kind of give a little background of what that means to, to differ between race and background and how some people choose to identify themselves? Yeah. I mean, I have, when I was young, I kind of grouped it all together. And I think a lot of us do, particularly those of us who, who check that ethnicity box on the census, right? That's like, are you Hispanic? Because it's not a race, but it's something that many of us so strongly identify with that it's to just check the white box instead of you know, something else feels wrong because that's not how society sees us. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's real. So essentially race, I mean, all of it is, is a social construct, <laughs> but race. I love that. Race has been. <laughs> I know, I know. So race, race is essentially when you're talking about race, you're talking about white, black, Asian, Native American, right? Like those are the races. Mm -hmm. Asian Pacific Islander, Native American. That that's pretty limiting. There's four. It's it's based in pseudoscience. Yeah. It's not real. It's but very whatever. limited. It's very like it's like a lot of tick like boxes that you tick. It's like hair color, eye color. It's very. I would always say it's exactly. like it's, it's it's on site. That's how I always right. felt of like. Yeah. And it's going back to like a continent, right? We're talking Africa, we're talking Europe, we're talking Asia, or we're talking the Americas. It's like the, the four major continent uh, combining North America and South America. So that's race. Ethnicity is a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more based in culture. So it could be race. It could be those same things, but it could also leaves room for like Hispanic, Latino, mm -hmm. Persian, various Middle Eastern, different types of um, eth ethnic backgrounds. So it's a little bit, it's more nuanced in that sense. But I think a lot of us kind of use it interchangeably, right? Because like, if we're just talking race, like where do people of Middle Eastern descent go mm -hmm. on that, right? Where do Hispanic, Latino, Chicano people go on that? Exactly. So I think there's that. And then there's also additionally your background and the culture that you were raised mm -hmm. in. And this is something that's meaningful to, in particular to me as a mixed race woman, because I feel very removed from everything that's not my chicana background right because yeah. i grew up with my mother who is chicana and that was what was normal in my house so that's like what i identify with in that way and i i've talked about before on the show like my struggle with identifying as native american and it's it's funny because i get it from both sides technically my sister i'm not sure if i've talked about this on the show uh, my sister did a one of those genealogy tests, those yeah, DNA test yeah, things. It ever like, super briefly. 
Yeah, yeah. So she did that and she was like 60% Native American. <laughs> like, so, you know, it's like strong in us. And the majority of that was actually Mexican. So, you know, clearly from my mom's side. So, mm. like, racially, that's probably, I haven't done it, but if my white presenting sister is mostly Native American, <laughs> me who looks very Asian Native American is probably as much, if not more. So like in my blood, that's what I am. But I feel like culturally, I am a little bit more removed from that. And it's it feels strange to claim it, even though you know, it's part of who I am and it's part of how the world treats me. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's something that we have been really doing in the show, I think, is really leaning into this culture. Race, culture and ethnicity is something you're completely right, gets really grouped up together. And I think only recently have I been trying to consciously making sure I'm very particular with my words and how I describe someone and specifically also myself, because there's a lot of ownership that happens with culture. And mm. I think with a lot of mixed people, we have to lean more into our culture that we have grown up in, more so than our ethnicity and our race. Because a lot of us mm. don't always have the pleasure mm -hmm. of always having both sides of our heritage around to to really guide us into our life. Like, like for myself, I've moved around a lot as a young kid. And so I didn't really have my dad's side of the family, the black side of the family to really get me into the heritage and talk about their tradition and, and really have that ownership and have that history about where we've come from and what is important to us. It's something I've had to learn and to seek out myself and also kind of create my own culture as well. And of course, being in New Mexico for such a long time and being surrounded by that and having friends uh, and people who are like family and, and the celebrations we would have and the food we would cook became very much of what became part of my everyday life and having that of being like well yeah do I have a drop of New Mexican blood in me probably not but this is something that I have spent a lot of time in and what it's surrounding this is what's important to me and I respect it I acknowledge it and I know about it and I embrace it and it is a part of me so I think a lot of mixed mm. people have to cling to culture a little bit more because they have to work so hard for it. I, at least I think so. I would agree with that. There's, uh, I think there was one other thing, like we kind of, we brought up in the episode zero that I wanted to kind of touch on maybe before we transition to our next segment. Maybe have you found there to be anything really challenging or uncomfortable on our podcast journey? Any kind of topics, even technical difficulties? <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. always technical difficulties. That is real Girl. for sure. And it's definitely something we don't have broadcasting, a broadcasting background. <laughs> so things to learn as mm -hmm. we go. But I'm into it. I'm always here for that. But um, I don't know. I think we both have, have worked on this. Uh, we are not necessarily open people. Mm. And being in this medium and discussing things, topics that are close to us, and being a podcast a lot about our personal opinions and our personal experiences and being voices, like putting putting our, our mixed race experience out into the world so that others also can join us on that journey, I think is 
has been challenging. We we joked pretty early on because we were several episodes in before we said our last names on the show. Yes. And it's just, you know, struggling with that idea of like putting myself out there in a real and authentic way is uncomfortable. But I think it's ultimately been really good. Hmm. I agree. It for anyone who's put themselves out there, you should applaud yourself because it is terrifying. And when we started Mm. this podcast, we said we really wanted to create a space for people who are mixed to have their voice heard, to have that representation. And it sounds so exciting and, you you know, you really go for it. And then you kind of feel that, not the pressure, but you do take it, you feel the weightiness of it. And you really want to make sure that you represent well but like you said also authentic I love that we have disagreed on topics because at the end of the day it's only made me respect you more and honestly it's made me respect how I feel about things because there's been some topics where you think you know where you stand on a topic but you you can't really put it into words and this has Mm, really made me be able to put how I feel about things in a very concise, impactful way. I think that's a challenge for anybody who is interested in social justice, who likes having conversations or struggle to have those conversations with families, friends, coworkers, to, to have that space to do the work and be able to come up with, wow, how do I really feel about a certain topic, about myself, about race? about gender. And I have loved being uncomfortable. <laughs> it is yeah. it's a love-hate thing. And there have definitely been some topics where it has been very challenging. I have definitely been like, what do we get ourselves into? I've definitely had like stress days on day on, some, on our release days of certain episodes mm. where I've been yeah. very, very stressed. I've got a very few pieces of hate mail, which is very yeah, I was going to say, it's not always unfounded either. There's some haters out there, y'all. Like, people are not nice all the no. time. Uh, but so many of you have been so nice and so kind. There have been some struggles with some not very nice comments and people who want to tell us how to do what we're doing. Yeah, those are always my personal, personal favorite. I love being mansplained to over... Yeah, I love when when a guy tells us how we should be running this podcast, for sure. It's my favorite. I do dream of it at night. (laughs) Um, Our saltiness level has also gotten much higher. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps that's true. You should definitely watch, watch your hypertension after listening to this show. But I love it. It's coming from a place of confidence. And we always have just a squeak a bit of dark humor with with the show and through all our technical difficulties and our growth i'm so excited that this has been um a place of uh, a safe place for those danny has always she said in a lot of episodes and it's completely right it, it a lot of things boils down to race and i love that we have talked about uh, we've reviewed a movie we've had artists we've talked about friendship and marriage Uh, everything in between and how it really comes from this point of view of race and gender in a way that I think even a lot of people would have never admitted that it's connected. It's really cool. And uh, I really look forward to just doing more of that with you. 
Yes, me too. So 2020, we have some things on the docket, some ideas about where we're going, about some topics suggested by you that we'll be talking about. We want to do some more interviews. We would love to do more reviews if people have things they would like us to review. I would be definitely down books, movies, TV, whatever. But we are, as always, open to any additional thoughts about what you would like to hear, you, the listener, because we've said we, we want this show to be a way to amplify all of our voices and we want to be able to talk about things that are resonant to the people listening. So definitely let us know the things that you would like to hear about. Yes, because we're a community. And this is what we're this is what yes. we're doing. We're trying to make it more a stronger, more supportive community. So Yes. And let us know if there's uh, more ways you would like to see us support a community. Right now, kind of our our primary jam is on Instagram. Mm. But let us know if you have ideas, if you want to connect with more unicorns. I love to see people engaging with each other on our Instagram page. It's pretty great. Super cute. And uh, we're not moved to cuteness very often. So (laughs) we're more prone to rage. Um it's true (laughs) speaking of should we should we get mad at the internet oh always let's always get mad at the internet mad at the internet all right tamika what are we mad about this week it's like a member of my family it is really i'm 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 serious. Like I'm this one cuts a little deep. This is about my second uncle once removed Stephen King. Theo Stephen. <laughs> oh, Theo. He has gotten himself in to, which I probably should have looked this up. How old is Stephen King? I think he's I feel like he's maybe pushing 70. Mm. Right? Right. I'll, yeah, I'll look have, it up. Yeah. You keep going. So, Stephen, uh, the there an article that Danny sent me because we only send each other stuff that makes us mad. It, the headline is "What Stephen King Misunderstands About Diversity in Art." Very long story short, but that's it. Um, Twitter gets old white men in trouble. Can I just say that? Is that is that not great? and he is confirmed old sorry theo steven he is 72 confirmed Confirmed. stephen edwin king is 72 years old Mm, and you shouldn't be on twitter past 69 (laughs) i mean there are just like so many great jokes you can make when you're 69 like really lean into it and then just retire just not not from, not from everything, life. just from just Twitter. Twitter. I'm yeah. trying to help you. Anyway, so this is kind of on the heels of the Oscars. They don't seem to basically saying we've talked about the Oscars and how disappointed they are, how there's not a lot of diversity with women. Girl, can I interrupt oh, you for a sec? Please do. Are there really people disappointed with the Oscars at this point? Isn't this what we expect? Like, is it really disappointment? Oh like, was anybody thinking it was going to be Girl, any different? Anything about the Golden Globes? Ever? I mean, that stuff was hot fire from Ricky Gervais to the lack of diversity. I'm just like, 
are you kidding me with this? Are we really still putting our hope and hopes and dreams into this? Like I have checked out. Yeah. I have checked out so hard with all of that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to make a picnic. I was like, no, I'm settling. I, I want to talk <laughs> about it. We can just get mad at that. <laughs> End the sidebar. Yeah. Let's there keep go. going. So, okay, so <laughs> Stefan, Stephen King, he, he tweets is like, as a writer, I am allowed to nominate uh, nominate in just three categories. Best, oh, let's see, maybe this is the one. Best picture, best adapted screenplay, best original screenplay for me. The diversity issue as it applies to individual actors and directors anyway did not come up. And then he said, um, mm. I would never consider diversity in matters of art, only quality. It seems to me that to do otherwise would be wrong. I... Uh, so, uh, okay, so... So I feel like it's really clear to us what the problem is with that. But how would you explain that being a problem to somebody else who's like, no, he's he's right. It should be about quality. Well, <laughs> I think what's when I see someone who as successful as Stephen King, as male and as white as him. And then mm-hmm. when he says something like this and I see his brand and I start thinking about all the movies and books and dramas that he's done. And I start thinking about who's been in them, who have they been about and who they've been for. I start thinking, he says, I would never consider diversity in matters of art, only quality. I start thinking to myself, what does he define as quality? Girl, quality is subjective. What does quality mean? What does quality mean, Stephen? (laughs) Exactly. And I'm sorry, but from your cishet white male privileged perspective, you mm-hmm. you have already established this bar and you're looking for stories that fit and are hitting this bar. Every right? single time. Every single time. Every single time. And that, that's what I'm like. It just and it's, it seems to, to me that to do otherwise would be wrong mm-hmm. I to me the fact that as someone who has created worlds within worlds psychological thrillers monsters that the fact that diversity within this these faux realities does not occur to you it shows <sighs> it shows for someone like I said who I've grown up with them my mom was a massive still is a big massive fan he I kid around but he you're like, to yeah. be clear, I'm still yeah. a fan. Even to Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. Like, he has been such a huge part of my life, my upbringing. Let's, let's talk about that later. But for him to say that, it, to me, I'm like, he's from Maine. Like, that's, that's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's his main problem. Like, but I'm saying... <laughs> Ooh, there goes all of our listenership in yeah, Maine. He's from Maine. I'm talking about, like, from what you write about what you know. And when it comes to art, I never want anyone to fabricate anything. So what does he know? Maine. Trees, rain, and sadness. And that's what he knows. So he writes what he knows. And that's why when I look at it, yes, I wish I was someone like me. Like I was better represented in in his works. Any of his works, really. I desire that so much. But for what he does, I'm like, do I want him to be anything else than what he is? That would be a lot to ask of this person to conjure up something that there's no way he would probably ever 
be known for. But then I look at it and I'm like, you, but you have made worlds and you have had this opportunity to look for the quality. <laughs> right. I think that you say you never do it is ridiculous. Yeah. And for me, part of the issue is that as a creator, like I feel like him out of anybody should be able to understand this. You need to be able to value those those stories outside of your own experience, right? And to value different viewpoints. And by not acknowledging that there is a norm established that privileges certain people above others while not embracing diversity that that's just like a huge failure on his part and it's it's upsetting it's so upsetting because yes we should value quality but before we can value everything equally we need to take a look at what is out there which stories we want to be amplifying and bringing to the forefront mm-hmm. of this work. Not just saying, nope, I'm going to value based off of quality and not acknowledge that your own biased background is going to decide what quality means. Exactly. It's not like there's a rubric. It's not like there's a completely impartial rubric you're following, right? We're all bringing our own past experiences and our own biases to the table when we're saying something is good or not. And, and see, that that's the thing. So then what is very frustrating about him as well is that, first of all, he admits that he never considers diversity. And then it continues on to more tweets, digging a hole even further talking about yeah. th- this particular article saying that he's not being racist or sexist, blarty blar. But they're saying, Stephen King, this goes, the most important thing we can do as artists and creative people is making sure everyone has the same fair shot, regardless of sex, color, or orientation. Right now, such people are badly underrepresented, and not only in the arts. Then it goes on to kind of to finish off. You can't win awards if you're shut out of the game. So it feels a little bit like he's he's passing the blame, right? Like he's like he's like, well, these people haven't been invited into this world. So like, what can I do about it? They've been shut out. And this is unfair. Let's focus our energy Mm, on that. Seeing it like that's that's what I feel like. They're like people out there. Uh, they've been badly, you know, they've been underrepresented and they can't get a shot. I'm like, honey, you're, you're a gatekeeper. Do you not? Exactly. It's, like some, it's so weird to see someone who doesn't, either they're choosing not to, or they are com- completely oblivious to their own influence. Do you not see that? Do you know how amazing it would be to have Stephen King sign off? Like even for, um, oh, was it a... Uh, is it Us, the movie that came out? Yeah. Can you imagine yep. it just been like he was out there pro- even just promoting it? Th- that's it. Like he just out there promoting it. And like, do you not understand not that the movie needed it, but the impact of it, of someone who has inspired so many other writers and probably even writers of color within the genre. Do you not realize that's you who have the influence and the power here? Yeah. Th- that's the part that's really upsetting. I get it. It is uncomfortable to take a hard look at your own privilege and your own bias. Like, that is uncomfortable. That is not something anybody wants Mm. to do. But think about how uncomfortable it is to not have your work valued because it's a Black movie if if it's written by a Black man, if it's 
a black cast, right? Or, you know, it's it's a, a chick flick if the lead is mm-hmm. a woman. Like, all these things, right? Like, that's fucking uncomfortable for the creators and the creative types who have poured their heart and soul into this work. It is uncomfortable for those of us who are those people who are audience members and, like, don't see ourselves represented in art. Like, that's also fucking uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? It really is, especially in this world where it's in that science fiction fantasy horror where there's a lot of cosplay, a lot of nerd dollars, and there's a whole market of people who are lining your your pockets that it does it just doesn't feel like you legitimately care. And it should be about the art, but why does art exclude diversity? I think that's my big problem. People are like, it's about the art. I don't know. And I feel like the truth is so many people have been shut out for so long from these worlds, right? The world of like acclaim and, and, and awards and all of this. And so part of our responsibility now is to shine a light on those people. We need to amplify as many of those people as we can to start to normalize the experience. And then maybe we can, once we have a more inclusive definition of what makes quality art, then maybe we can evaluate based off of quality. Exactly. And I, what I'm actually looking forward to and going is putting less importance on these types of awards being the trademark and the stamp of something that is quality. We get tired of yeah. being like, oh, how many awards was it nominated for? How many did it actually get? I'm like, no, quality is quality because it gets the support of the community. Yeah. I mean, Us was a really great uh-huh. movie. And <laughs> it's not up for anything. Nope. But I mean, and granted, like, I don't watch a lot of movies, mm-hmm. right? But I I thought Us was mm. great. But even the same thing of just, like, movies that did fantastic, but it had a woman director. The woman did not get nominated. It's things that are so transparent that I'm like, I'm not saying I've lost hope. I'm saying I'm refocusing on what is the benchmark of how can I honor right. these women directors, these women writers, these directors of color? Right. Because it's not going to come from here. It's like asking and dying for a parent's affection that's never going to give it to you. You got to, you know, refocus where you want the attention and affection and approval for. It can't come from Absolutely. somebody in a vessel that cannot give it to you. The academy, it's they're true. not going to give it to us. They're not going to give it to you, and it's never more apparent that no one's going to open a door for us in this particular area. So we're just going to have to create a new freaking house. Just to, to amplify something that didn't get a lot of Oscars live either. The Farewell was an amazing, beautiful movie. I went and saw it for my birthday. I don't often go to movies. Um, so, But my husband went, took me to see it on my birthday. And we were both just so blown away by that movie. It was beautiful. And I cried and it was, it was amazing. Oh, and see, I've been, so I, I don't go to the movies hardly ever. Getting a sitter, even if your kid's cute, guys, is real hard. I have to wait for things to come out for me to, to download them, but that's on my must watch list. I'm so excited for it. Oh, I, I've heard nothing but amazing things. And that's why we get mad at the internet, Danny. Well, shall we hit our happy place before we wrap uh, this up? I think we need to after that. Thank you.
Tamika, what is your happy place this week? So uh, my happy place is a tie back to my old shenanigans. I was doing, I was doing so, so well. I am between, um, oh, hang on. I had to write it down so I wouldn't forget. It's two things. One, my happy place is something that is past and gone. The unicorns might not know, but you and I were in the same place at the same time. We were. Danny came out to England with her <laughs> husband, and it was so much fun. You guys like spent like three nights at Mikasa. We ate so much food. All the food. It was wonderful. I laughed until I sounded like a chain smoker. My daughter <laughs> fell in love with Danny and her husband. It was so, so cute. It's, I just have like some of the cutest photos of my lovely daughter walking hand in hand down the streets of Cambridge. Like, what is her life, right? Um, <laughs> Danny and I probably have right. not seen each other in person in like 12 years. Yeah. Something that's I don't want to actually ever say out loud again. But it was such a, it was such a magical time, and I'm still I'm still basking in the glow and the loveliness, and uh, you know dishing all the dirt. They are fantastic house guests, honestly, really, seriously. They're really <sighs> good house guests. Good home training, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrass me, Tamika. You're ruining my street no, cred. That's no, just like <laughs> fucking rebel who doesn't give a yeah, fuck she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't give a shit she shakes you in your sleep and she'll fold the sheets nicely <laughs> she's dangerous <laughs> and my other happy place is something i don't know how i found it don't don't ask me it's from the urban dictionary and it popped up oh my goodness <laughs> don't ask me how i found it in the urban dictionary um meme sexual <laughs> it's it's mm. when you are attracted to people who provide good memes and can slash and or can appreciate a good meme. Mm. Isn't that everyone though? But the thing is, it says not to be confused with having attractions towards a meme itself because that is something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it brings me so much joy. Uh, stupid. Because <laughs> that is, I'm not talking about being attracted to a meme itself, <laughs> but because there is a name for that. Um, just I love it. That, I love it. That lunch cat just oof, does something for me. Man, I will forever love lunch forever. cat. It really it took over there for a hot minute. Salad, Salad cat. cat. I but I think there's like so my um my husband is my my dealer of memes, right? He appreciates mm. a good meme. But my best friend, he was on a roll. He was sending me some really good memes and my husband's like, "Hey, you just can't send a married woman good memes and i thought that was the funniest thing and we went on this this hunt and i lo and behold urban dictionary had my back and now i'm like oh you know but i think we all have like those one or two people who always send you like the good good they are your your meme mm -hmm. dealer they always have the stickiest stuff it's fantastic <laughs> and i was just like meme sexual i like it yeah it just made me hilarious I still kind of maintain that everyone is that way. There are some Perhaps. people who don't get it. <laughs> yeah, they're dead to yeah. me. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. You don't even allow them <laughs> to cross the threshold of your feed. I've been like, nah, nah, you get two memes. Less than podcasting. 
you get like two really bad trash memes and you're out of my life yeah it is a lot of pressure it's a it's a tough world <laughs> this modern world but someone's got to live it through pictures only all right danny what's yeah. what's making you happy um i'm gonna go with series of unfortunate events this really? week yeah i so full disclosure i have not read the whole series i had read the first one pretty soon after it came out or it got popular so years and years ago but i i had only read the first couple i think my husband bought me like one or two for some holiday or as a present at some point but i had never finished reading all of them and i had a friend who this was now like a year ago was like you haven't read all of them here is the entire box set you must read these and yeah so i have been taking care of his box set for over a year and (laughs) i have finally started buckling down and reading them and i am on book six i think and uh it's just delightful there's so much i love about it and the aesthetic is me so like of course you know like i i love the aesthetic and the the tone and i just i just wish it had existed when i was a small pre-goth goth child and i think I, (laughs) i would have been so into it and lemony snicket is just a delight like I heard him on a an NPR interview years ago now, and then he was like, "And now I will play the accordion." And I'm like, "Who are you? <laughs> I love you." That is amazing. All right, what would you say is the target yeah. age group? Oh goodness, I don't know. Like late elementary school, mm. maybe. I'm just trying to. I'm always thinking of book series to get for. For Yaya. Yeah, I think it's a little a little advanced mm-hmm. for her, but probably in a few oh, years. I'm totally down. How many are in the series? Thirteen. Damn. Go ahead. Yeah, and they get like Harry Potter, they get like increasingly longer. So like I've read <laughs> the first five and I'm on book six, but like the first five is like nothing compared to the length of what I have ahead of me. So They just seem to get longer and longer. Mm, All right. I'm totally down. I mean, it's no Harry Potter, but what's Harry? What what can compete with Harry Potter? But it is a kid's book series that I'm I'm into right now. And if you haven't seen the Netflix series, it's so good. Like, I've really enjoyed it when I I I don't think I've watched all of it. But uh, my husband and I watched part of it when it first came out and we were so into it because it was like like I said it's just like the aesthetics of it are like my life Mm. so all right I'll have to give it a go I've always thought it was like is it cheesy even though like it looks a little bit more like what I'd be into but okay that's that's the push Mm. I needed yeah I mean it's it's young it's geared towards kids but it still has like you know that dark edge on it which I appreciate Mm. all right I'm excited so if you were having a rough week because Stephen King turned out to be blind to his own influence. Read some series of unfortunate events like life. Um, have some really yes. good friends over and enjoy really good memes. But don't get attracted yes. to them. Not too much. <laughs> Just the tip. Just- Oh, no one has more fun. And please, please don't at me if Lemony Snicket is a dick. 
because I don't want to know. Or the guy who goes by Lemony Snicket. I just, I don't want to know. Just let me have this till I finish the series, please. <laughs> Yo, let, let me have this. Oh. It's already not Harry Potter. Stop rooting life for me. So I think I'm ready for my next Harry Potter reread. <laughs> I like this morning, I was like, I think I'm going to read Harry Potter. Oh, man. But I should get through this first. Oh, so brilliant. Well, if you have been sticking with us from the beginning, thank you so much. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you. There have been a few people who've been listening from, from zero, and we really appreciate it. We do. We appreciate you. And if you are just joining us for the first time now, we appreciate you mm-hmm. also. Or if your friend made you listen to this on the way to something else like lunch that they promised to give you for listening to this, we also appreciate you. Big shout out to a friend of mine who made her wife listen to this um, on a road trip recently and to which her wife was like, hey, that sounds like Danny. And she's like, "Um, it is Danny. <laughs> she was like, no, like, I know she said her name was Danny, but it sounds like Danny Belvin. And she's like, it is yes! Danny Belvin. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, I love that. I feel like I've met all your friends, but I haven't. <laughs> but they've been listening to my voice for a while. I can't wait yeah. to get back to, to Albuquerque for a visit and meet these people in person. <laughs> yes. All right, friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends, make them listen to it. We really appreciate it. Uh, Be sure that you're also subscribed so that you don't miss our next episode next week, which will be a mini-sode, and in two weeks, which will be another full episode. And if you have questions or comments or feedback or just want to give us some words of encouragement and love in this new year, do send them our way. You can send them via email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us via the social medias. We're on Facebook and Instagram at biracialunicorns. And we're on Twitter at Biracial Magic. Yes, we want to thank those who have really supported us from the get-go, like Dolly Pop Art, who's done our amazing logo. We also want to thank the amazing Joseph Scott, who's done our intro and outro music. We're going to also have some amazing photos of us via photography. We got some beautiful... Another biracial yes. unicorn. Oh, we gotta have her on the show, dude. She is outrageous. But yes, this is Jesse Smith of So Smith's Photography. Find her, follow her. She, uh, man, she captures life, guys. I'm so excited. I also, in the new year, want to give props to our editor and processor, which is the one and only Danny Belvin herself. Uh- <laughs> 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 and any any segmental music done by ears truly. Um, we we. We are not a broadcasting background, but we make this happen, don't we? <laughs> we do. We do things. We do things. Ah, oh, so many things. All right, friends. We'll be back soon. Peace. Out. <laughs>